when you finally get yourself free of that river of insanity and you make it up onto the bridge of new earth, is it really in your best interest to leave the bridge and go back down into the river of insanity and engage with everybody there? Or is it really better to stay on that bridge? And if you're going to do that, how? What, how do you do that? How do you stay on the bridge of new earth while everything's going insane? Today, we have Reverend Janice Hope Gorman with us from the Hope Interface Center to share her perspective on how we bridge across insanity. Join us to find out more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, to the big mystery, beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably into a deeper understanding of who we are and why we're here. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these conversations, and I'm so delighted that you've been joining me for the, the last seven plus years for these conversations. And oh, if you're just finding me now, you didn't realize there's seven years of conversations. There are. <laughs> you can totally binge. You can binge on these conversations. So instead of binging on television, binge on Hummingbird. <laughs> so, you know, what's up right now? Well, right now, we just had the uh, I'm projecting into the future at the time that this episode is being released, and we just have had the equinox. And, you know, we're in this really precious time of recreation. And the thing that I always, the message I always get about this recreation time, this new earth, is don't be so attached to it looking anything like what you understand or know. <laughs> because if it did look like anything you already understood or knew, that would mean we'd be recreating things that already existed instead of rebirthing ourselves into a higher plane of existence where there'd be something new happening, which is, I think, what we're all yearning for is what I understood. Every time I talked to somebody, they said, can we do it different? Can we have something new happen? And so when you want something new and you keep clamoring for something new, the guys keep telling me, it's like, well, then you've got to be willing to change and you've got to be willing to have it be unknown and you have to be willing to go into the womb of creation. The womb is here to birth you and it's going to birth you as it sees your highest potential could be as you hold that intention of being your highest potential. And so that's really the trick, isn't it? Is like how to get our egoic personalities to come along with going into an area of the unknown where we're going to be rebirthed into something we don't even know what's going to happen. And uh, hopefully it all works out better. <laughs> it seems a little precarious to the personality. It's like, you know, I'm finite, right? This is my one shot. So I don't really want to mess it up. So what are we going to do about that? And so we have all these conversations inside potentially that's <laughs> questioning What's going to happen next? And we can get a little tangled up in the mess of that because honestly, none of us know. None of us. I mean, some of us have a little bit of foresight. We can kind of see maybe like a little bit through that smoky mirror, but not too far, you know, because if we really did see and predict 
something in the future from this current level of consciousness, it would inevitably have to be influenced by the filter with through which we're looking at the thing. So obviously, if we're coming from a lower consciousness, and we talked about that last week with Dave the Mystic, you know, if we're designing AI systems from a lower consciousness based in fear, then what's the AI going to be patterned on? A lower consciousness based in fear. Whoops. And do we really want to create that? So we have this unique time right now where we get to really look at what are we creating and why are we creating it and what do we really want? And how do we do this in the highest, best way with the most efficiency? And we're going to discover all of this with our guest today because Janice Hope Gorman is here with us today and she's amazing. Say hi, Janice. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so excited about this conversation, but let me tell them more about you because you're amazing. You know, Janice, I don't even know how I found you, Janice, or you found me. I'm not sure, but we found each other. (laughs) Oh, you found me on the internet. Okay. We found each other years ago and I've been, I've communicated several times with uh, Janice's uh, community at Hope Interfaith Center. And I just love you so much. I always love my time I spend with you. And I thought, I can't believe I haven't invited you to come on the show yet. What's wrong with me? So here you are. Anyway, uh, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman began her search for a deeper understanding of life at a very young age. And during intensive study, under the guidance of numerous personal teachers, she experienced spiritual phenomena, because when you experience it, you know it, right? And she gained greater knowledge, you know, of the higher realms of existence. And with this knowledge, she was guided to create and organize a nonprofit now widely known as the Hope Interfaith Center. Her name is Janice Hope, so we're going to be calling her Hope, though. So you guys know, like, either name is fine, but we're going to call her Hope. So the Hope Center is here to welcome all who wish to live in their lives in divine flow and encourages everyone to open their hearts to the broad spectrum of source connection, knowing that we are all one with all that is. And I'm so resonant with that. She's, you know, Hope's been doing this for over 35 years. There's more about her in the bio, and it's amazing the mission that she's been on. And I always say Hope's part of the first wave. And She's like participating in the second wave as well. She's like a go-getter, like both waves. Sign me up, coach. I'm going in. So I I kicked us off open like, you know, a really beautiful way with this conversation we both want to have about this this time that we're experiencing on the planet right now. And what's the best way for us to get through this? Because when you were saying something right before that just cracked me up and I'm like, that is definitely the topic. It's like the bridge across... They're raging insanity <laughs> because we don't want to get mired in that, do we? No, 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 no. I first, I want to applaud you for saying who knows what is coming because I don't think anybody right now has a handle on what that is because we're the ones who are creating it first and foremost. And so there is a statement that is called that there is a raging river of insanity that is going on now. We've been told, I think one of your guests, you said that was talking about the deconstruction of everything that's happening right now in all of our organizations, all of our institutions, government, and so on and so forth, and in our own life as we bravely deconstruct um, so we can construct a new life. And so first and foremost, how you cross that raging river of insanity. I think for all of us, all the light workers who are listening to your program, certainly you and I and so many others, we decided to get out of the raging river of insanity. Now that might have happened from a midlife crisis. That might have happened because of a death in our family. That might be because we've grappled with questions of uh, belief systems that don't fit us any longer. 
and or we've had phenomenons of awakening. And so what we have done is we have hopefully built block by block, concrete blocks, and made this beautiful, beautiful arch across this raging river of insanity, which is the lower frequencies or what we would call fear, doubt, worry, anger, jealousy, and so on and so forth. And so there is a moment in time now where we are being asked, especially after these gorgeous, wonderful portals that have opened up for us for springtime, is to stay on top of the bridge, to walk across the bridge. And every once in a while, you might look at the raging river of insanity, of which you can join in. We prefer that you don't. Uh, just as you say, what do you create? You're creating from that frequency. And that water might splash up on your face every once in a while. And you take a towel and you wipe yourself off. And you say, I've been there, done that. Don't want to go into that raging river of insanity any longer. So I think having conversations, and the reason why I said yes to your program is because I love the name Soul Nectar. <laughs> I also loved it when you encourage them, don't get caught up in the television set and listening to that. Listen to my program over and over and over again, because it's a frequency. You are emitting, Carrie, and I've always said you said this, you are emitting a, a frequency. And we're doing we're doing this as your everyday normal people. We don't walk around thinking that we're special than anybody else. No, we just made it through the storm to the other side. We're like, woohoo, there's, a, there's an end to the storm. It's over That's here. Right. <laughs> That's, That's right. That's right. So I think that continuing to do ritual, I absolutely believe teachers are helpful at this time. Community is important to find your tribe, to find your clan that you can talk about these things. Uh, meditation is a big one for me. Silence, nature is a big one. Going out to Gaia Mother Earth helps me stay on the bridge. I actually have a place in a park in Mankato, Minnesota, where there's a beautiful, beautiful arched bridge that goes across a river. And I much of the time go out to nature, stand on that bridge and say, I've been there, done that. And I know that I'm a way shore and I don't want to fall into that river. Now, that river is based on human history and our reactions to human history and our embodied reactions because we've, um, we have ancestry inside our bodies, right? And we, we also have other soul lifetimes, incarnations where we've experienced various things. And that impacts the way we feel in our bodies, which impacts how we talk to other people. But when we've already done kind of Cross the bridge. Like we got up out of the river and we said, wow, I'm really reacting. Why am I reacting? Oh, it's in my body. Oh, how do I heal that? And, and you've gone on the journey, right? You've gone through and not to say it's done because it's never done, but we don't need to get down in the river again. We just don't need to climb down into the river with people just because they're struggling and, and suffering. And this is one of my lessons this week, Hope, is because look at my name is Carrie. And so I've been trying to carry everyone. Oh my goodness. And I can't. And my dad, used, he shortened my name to care. And I was like, why do you call it short my name? My name's already five letters. Why? I never understood when I was a kid. And it's like, because he wanted me to know you don't have to carry anyone. You can just care. Wow. Wow. Wonderful insight. Wonderful insight. 
That's so interesting, Carrie, because, you know, my birth name, Jan Nice, N-I-C-E. <laughs> and so I had the same thing, you know, growing up in, in a Catholic religion, we were trained uh, to be nice, to be nice to everyone at all times, even to the detriment of my soul that needed soul nectar. And so I find that interesting because I have always felt about my birth name as well, is that I was completely in the river that was rushing and roaring because I was trying to help this person and that person and this person and that person. And so it, the energy of nice stuck with me until I decided I can't do this anymore. I can't be good to m myself, my husband, my children, my grandchildren, my community if I fall in that river over and over again trying to be nice to everybody. Yeah, because nice is not actually kind. Correct. Can you talk about that distinction? Because that's a big one. Nice is not always kind, everyone. Well, I think nice is an energetic field of needing to fix someone's sorrow mm. or fix someone's pain. That I'm the nice person who shows up with a meal, which is which is really nice. But but the energy behind that niceness for me, being very codependent when I first began, is trying to fix everybody else. I'm, you know, and that's kind of, uh, I remember a counselor saying, it's no, don't you think you're kind of grandiose, Janice? And I said, I'm not grandiose. I'm just nice. And that, that, that's also where the, the high horse, get yes. off your high horse comes from too. Because people yeah. get actually annoyed by it, actually. Yes. Yes. And so what do you put in place of niceness? Obviously, we don't want to be mean to other people or, or add to their sorrow or add to their suffering if they're already having a hard time. Like, we don't want to add to it. How can we be with that? Well, I know that a lot of people use the word compassion, and I might get a little snippet of a reaction out of this. But if I'm compassionate towards someone that has fallen into the river, in my understanding, because I'm an energy teacher, I'm adding on to the illusion of their victimhood. Ah, so true. Say that again, because that's actually so, important. Yeah, many people, because I know in the Buddhist tradition, they talk about compassion and, and, and in many traditions. But if I'm, because I'm an energy teacher, so if I'm compassionate towards someone who has fallen into the river, that's not empowering to that person. I'm adding on to the illusion or them drowning like, oh my God, you're in the river. And so what I replaced niceness and even compassion is that I, as well as you, as well as many, we do say to them, here's a hand. And if you want to reach up and hold my hand, that you can swim. You're a swimmer. You're not only a swimmer, you are a marathon swimmer, but you're tired now. So would you like to come up on shore? So that gives them skills or know-how and a you know, hand up versus a hand out. And so that's what I have replaced it with. I want to empower. I always felt, you know, before we started recording, women came by me when I was at my lowest point. And they brushed me off, stood me up, and they said, girl, you are not broken. You've just forgotten who you were. 
and we're going to help you remember. And I said, what? I am not broken? And they said, no, you are not broken. You've just forgotten who you are. And so that's what I do to women who come to me, as well as men, to help them out of that river, is to tell them, hey, you are not broken. You just have been forgetting who you are, and I can help you remember who you are. And I love that because I also, I want to explore the the darker, like just like underneath it too, with compassion and with rescuing. Uh It's a subtle saying that I don't think you can do it. It is very subtle because it's almost like, uh, people might get pity versus the um, passion of wanting to get me out. And the women who came to my side didn't keep me in my victimhood. They didn't condone that. They didn't do that. They had the passion to bring me up and they resuscitated me with their words when they said to me, oh, you are not broken. You've just forgotten who you are because you were raised to forget the dynamics of the truth of who you are. That is a true statement. Can we take that deeper into this? uh, Because I know you guys, we talked about this before the show, but one of the conversations that's really hot on the planet right now is how do we dismantle this idea, which is totally a construct and ever was a construct of division of racism? And how do we do that from a white body? Because it's a tricky little territory. You want to be part of the conversation. I want to be part. If your heart is open, I think you want to be part of the conversation. You want to be part of the dismantling of it, but without being trodden upon or blamed or judged or shamed or told to be quiet and you had your chance to talk. So you don't get to talk now. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't go with that. You know, I just got my voice. I'm not going to shut it down now just because you don't like it because you're triggered by it. So how do we, you know, how do we bridge this? I mean, what's, What's your sense of how, because I, I think you have a really good answer about not getting down into the river. How do we do this without like hitting on some of these cords that have already been placed? Like all of these cords have been placed right into that river. The cord of like supremacy, the cord of like, oh, I have this luxurious life. Let me help you get some of what I have. You know, all of this matrix of whose lives do we lust after because of the color of their skin and who's downtrodden and not represented All of that is like steeped into this river that's been roiling for centuries. And how do we now deconstruct ourselves out of that space while holding total love and respect for ourselves as well as everybody else? I love that. I love that question. As you know, the roaring, raging river of all those stories, which I will not deny, they have happened, they are real, but they are a narrative. And there are many narratives going on in that roaring, raging river of insanity. And the the old narratives are old narratives. And I believe that the way showers and who all of your listeners again and you and I are, is that we're bringing in the new narratives. you You know what I mean by that? And that's how you break down or deconstruct some of the old paradigms in that that energetic field, that energetic field. So when you say, you can't take my voice away, it, they can't because it's important for us mm-hmm. to speak about, mm-hmm. I am no more controlled by the patriarchal energy field. Why? Which happens to be women and men. It's not a, it's not a gender specific because I created a new narrative. And a woman came up to me 
and started giving me new narratives about myself, of what I could do, of who I am. And that's when you climb out of the river. I don't know if that helps, but it's literally right now what's really big is narrative replacement therapy. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because we need to change the stories. I mean, the stories we tell create the reality we're experiencing. And then when it's further experienced inside the body, the body resonates with that old story because it's got all that stored in it. And so we've got to like decondition our bodies, which are ancestral memories, everything in our bodies, as well as as the stories we're telling in our brains. Yes, yes. Because in replacement therapy, because my background is in counseling and chemical dependency counseling, in replacement therapy, what they do, they might come in for a session and they might need space and you might need to hold space for them to talk about the Roaring Raging River. They're talking about their own narrative. They're talking about the narrative. And you say, I hear what you are saying. I hear what you are saying. Now, And then usually in replacement therapy, they have their journal or their diary with them. Now, can we replace that narrative, which is a storyline, with a new story, with a new narrative that you begin, that your neural nets begin to shift and change? You know, even words like you are a goddess, which sounds so shallow. It is not. It is perfumed. When we say to women or men, of their their cosmic intelligence, that you are the energetic flow of cosmic intelligence. And we are just the live beads on a mala bead. We are a bead, and that intelligence moves through us constantly. And when somebody really tells you that, versus looking at your deficits, versus looking at your problems, which is the old narrative, which is the roaring, raging river, because cognitive therapy has shown that it's not very, we're kind of condoning the, the old narratives constantly over and over. And reinforcing over. it, reinforcing it. And even if you deny it, it's like reinforcing it. So, okay. Now I want to cover something because what you said is how I actually healed. So how I got healed is that I got a new narrative. So I went and studied just a little short recap, everybody. So years and years and years ago, like 15 years ago, I was given all these diagnoses, like your borderline personality and you're crazy and it's never going to be fixed and you take a drug the rest of your life. Now I'm not on any drugs, none whatsoever. I'm perfectly healthy. I'm leading movements and I'm like facilitating holding space for like a ton of people to do the same thing. Okay. And I'm having these conversations with amazing people like, like Hope. So my life is not the same anymore because I started telling a different story about myself and not just telling it, but like rewiring my whole matrix to the new story. So I'm no longer congruent with the old story that doesn't exist for me anymore. So some people say that's like gaslighting. And, do. and I'm like, if it makes you happier, what does it matter? That's correct. Because I'm happy now. And yeah. now did I skip over my accountability for my choices I made? No. But nobody does. Really very few. I mean, I can't really say that. Maybe people do. But for me, I've, I've looked over my choices for like over a decade, turning over every stone, looking over every leaf. Did I miss anything? Is there anything I could have done better? And I think a lot of people are like me. When we make mistakes, we feel horrible about it and we want to fix it and we want to do something different. And we, you know, we at least want to learn the lesson of it so we don't repeat it. A lot of people are like that. So there's like this way of like over analysis, almost like dragging yourself through the river in the mud 
constantly, constantly, constantly in order to punish yourself for making a choice that you didn't even know was possible not to make that choice because of how you were conditioned. And so when you finally wake up to your conditioning and you wake up to your divinity, you don't keep flogging yourself. You go, that's a raging river of insanity. What is a better story that's more supportive of me that takes into account my history, but takes the wisdom of it and brings me forward into a new spot where I can actually be beneficial for myself and others and my family and not to deny that stuff happened. It happened, but what's my wisdom from it? Take that forward and now chart the course into a beneficial existence. That's what I've done. And if people want to call that gaslighting, I guess they can, because I did gaslight myself into, you know, I, I energy medicine myself until it became my new reality. And now I'm in my new reality, experiencing my new reality, because that old reality is a reality based in suffering. And that's not the reality I want to live in. And so why can't everybody do this? Yes. I mean, everybody can. I'm told a lot of times when I speak and especially speak about this, they'll call it a spiritual bypass. But and then this is what I say. Well, if you went in for a heart attack and your artery was clogged, what they do is a bypass in order to get that blood quickly flowing to your heart, so it goes ba-bump, 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 ba-bump. Well, again, I, because I was trained in cognitive therapy, I was trained in repeating the story over and over. I've seen in addiction, and I've seen in marriages, I've seen in personal um, growth, of people staying stuck in the muck of the old narrative. Now, do I believe they need to be there for a while? They do. But I do believe that if everything's at a quickening and everything is in the energy of deconstruction, and now since we're in the energy of spring, it's like you said, which seeds do you want to plant? Which narrative makes you feel good about yourself? And if narratives like, I'm beautiful, I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm pregnant with ideas. I bedazzle the world. People know that I bedazzle the world. I am the great goddess. That isn't a spiritual bypass or gaslighting. That's bringing the person back into the remembrance of the truth of who they are. Yeah, and the truth. And when the truth comes in, it actually resonates through your whole body. You get goosebumps and chills and... You know, yes. and when it doesn't, it falls flat, which means you're not ready to accept that part of yourself yet. So you got to go back and do some more excavation and self-love and, you know, forgiveness. And so it takes work. But like what you're saying with, with therapy, a lot of times people are in there their whole lives. Like I spent two decades in therapy flogging myself for decisions and, you know, being unhappy with myself, comparing myself to other people, you know, just endlessly reviewing my choices and my words and actions. And at some point I was just like, this is a waste of my time. I have learned everything I could possibly learn and I can't do anything about how other people receive my actions. I can't change how they receive my actions. And if we extrapolate this into the bigger context, I can't actually change how anybody perceives me in a white body who's brown and black. I can't change how they perceive me. There's nothing I can do to change their perception of me without them knowing me as a person. And so... All I can do is love myself and accept myself. And if I am triggered, work on my own triggers and not shy away from looking at that river. That's the thing I think is the missing piece in our conversation is that a lot of people that find their way, like spiritual leaders and transformation people, like you're talking about, we found our way onto the bridge. We try to avert our eyes from the river. But if we just realize it's okay to look at the river and to hear the river 
to feel the river. The river is happening. People are going through like amazing transformations of their own right now. And and some of that involves deep ancestral pain in the body. That has got to be a really rigorous experience that their divine incarnation selected because of their mastery for them to experience. Good point. And so that experience is awe-inspiring for me to witness people of color operating at that level of frequency with their experience and not falling into the trap of judgment, shame, and blame of others or projecting it out of themselves, but actually just really owning it and working through that mastery of like, what is here for me now? I'm a badass. I came to this planet to be here at this time to transmute this stuff. That's who I am. Yes. That's where I want to see people. I want everyone to realize if you're in a body having an experience, your soul chose to have that experience and nobody ever gets an experience as greater than their ability to handle it or move through it ever. I really believe that. I believe in a benevolent universe. That's my thing. I mean, I, my challenge is I never thought I'd get out of it. <laughs> Tell me I was insane, right? So my brain is the problem, right? So how I'm, pers- so you know what I did? I said, you're right. I am crazy. So I'm not gonna believe anything my mind tells me. And that was the key as it turned out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's much more simpler than we than we first started out in this whole spiritual dance because it is much more simpler than and we can again is the energy of when we say hard work is that the old paradigm words is that the old narrative mm-hmm. again I always try to compare it to the technology that we have out in our world. And there's a quickening and a fastness that's happening. And so we have we are the per- people that have made that technology. So there's a technology within us that can indeed create new narratives much more quickly than than ever before. And I do think because it, it isn't a bypass and it's an, as isn't gaslighting, to be a yogi, that there are three particular, and I think we all are capable of being yogis. It's not putting your arms twisted in pretzels and or your legs above your head one a yogi uses their heart as their compass that's the first thing that a yogi does yoga and yogi means union with the divine so the number one thing is using your heart as your compass and your intuitive energy comes from your heart you'll feel a pull you'll feel a pull back and to follow that the second thing that a yogi does is that they do not compete nor compare themselves to another person's journey Mm -hmm. they do not compete or compare because it is their journey just as you said at the very beginning and so they pay attention to their own energetic field and what is going on and the third part of what makes a yogi is that they know that the earth is a mirror that is reflecting back to where we are to where i am personally so when something happened in my life let's say the river splashes up on my face I know that that's a mere reflection of energetically of what I need to clear in my own body. And if everyone would do those three things, we would have this, maybe perhaps not licked, but we would be really heading down the right road in this creation that we are creating right now. And I find this time really exciting. I don't know if you know Linda Good. And um, 
Linda Good McGillis. And she says, I think this is really good stuff. When you see it out there happening, it's people getting rid of it in there and it's happening out there. And the deconstruction and the craziness is getting crazier. And people are saying, I don't want to be a part of this crazy anymore. I'm getting healthy. I'm remembering who I am. It's exciting. It it is exciting. And even in the the conversations and that's why I look in that river a lot because I'm like, ooh, what else is in there? What else is going to trigger me today? <laughs> what else is in there that I can release from my body on behalf of myself and everybody else? Because we're all connected, right? Like everything that we do ourselves is going to help everybody else because we're all in, we're intrinsically connected as with the planet. So there's <laughs> everything you do for yourself, you do for everybody else. Yes. And I'm all about liberation, you know, and a new paradigm where we can play a different game than Monopoly and like suppressing one people over another just because we want all the wealth or all the stuff. It, that wasn't a fun game to play. As a matter of fact, we're all, and this is another point that got, that got raised up in, in the conversation with Tracy King from the Gritty Mystic, you guys, uh, two episodes ago is that what we're realizing and what we're finding out is that all of us hurt whenever there's subjugation. Everybody hurts when there's subjugation. It might look like they're skating through it, but everybody hurts when there's subjugation. We all struggle. We all suffer. So we're moving towards that realization. And that is only going to happen when we, as we share our stories. So I think it's good that people are getting out their chest and they're sharing how they're feeling and they're expressing it. It needs to be expressed. If it's bottled up, it's going to cause disease. So I'm totally cool with it being expressed. And Maybe the next, uh, you know, sacred text on the planet will finally be the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. <laughs> you know, like don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, be impeccable with your word, do your best. And if we were all operating at that level, you know, we wouldn't take it personally. I took it personally a couple weeks ago. There was something that was on a feed, and I was like, "Ooh, that offends me." And so I, I took ownership of that. I looked at it, and I was like, "Huh, yeah, okay. Why am I offended by that? What's inside me that's wounded over that thing?" What needs healing, you know, and took a response. I decided still decided not to play in that space, but it doesn't matter. I took my medicine from it. I didn't blame the space. I just went, okay, that was there in that space. Maybe I don't want to look at that for a little while, but I saw something I needed to see. I did some healing on it. Right. And can we just have some grace for like, everybody's going through their kind of lens of the kaleidoscope on yes. this thing that we co-created. That's the other piece. Speak to that because we co-created this. We've had, I don't know. I mean, if people still think that this is our only lifetime, please. I mean, we've, we have co-created all of this stuff that we see we hate. Yes. We did it together. Yes. Yes. We are co-creating it right now as we speak, where, because we're speaking about the raging river of insanity. We're speaking about our stories that need to be shared. And so with that comes out a vibration and we're creating that matrix. And then, like you said, when the story's done, then we say, well, we're going to stand on the bridge and we're not going to add to the crazy river anymore. And again, when that personal eye got hurt, then the raging river uh, flew up on your face, slapped you on the face for a little bit, and you went, huh, that's interesting. I feel hurt, or I feel whatever it was that you were feeling. And the interesting thing is, I, I believe that you know where I come from. To me, as you gain the understanding of oneness, for me, I've gotten to the place where, this might be hard for everybody, there is no personal I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about that some more. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Because the ultimate releasing of a 
what I call a, a false identity is the I. There is no I. And this is what Sangha Guru and many of my gurus will say. You will find that out if you don't awaken to that, Janice. If you don't awaken to that hope, you will find that out when you die and the maggots eat you. You, the, you will, the, there is no I. You belong to the consciousness of oneness. That's where you will be. This is just a temporary suit, beautiful suit, as you walk through this life, but it's all temporary. The I, the individual I, is impermanent. And so when you lose that, you don't take things personally any longer. Again, they'll say you might cross the river and splash, but you don't take, and then you go like, oh, that's interesting how my I, my individual I took that in. But I've come to the realization that the maggots will eat my body and my beautiful body will enter into Gaia Mother Earth. And the I will be no more. I am one with all that is. And all that is, is one with me. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. Really well put. And that's why the solution that I was given through my book is inner medicine becoming one with Mother Earth for the survival of humanity. Interesting. That's right. That title goes right with what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because... Everyone's concerned about survival, but the way to survival is to stop being I and start being we. Yes. And the consciousness is we. It's a oneness expressed in multiplicity. Yes. And so you're part of the multiplicity. Congratulations, everybody. (laughs) And even your multiplicity will express in multiplicity ways. So it's not like, and you don't own it. That's the other thing. You know, I mean, so many things indigenous people knew forever because they were anchoring that wisdom on earth so that someday when we were ready, we'd wake up to it and remember, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you become mulch for the next creation. You do. You just get poured back. You get poured back into the ocean and then you get another suit to, to walk another journey. But yeah, it is, it's unsettling sometimes for people to realize that, but Uh, Here's what I say, Hope, is that if you're really concerned about your personality, your limited self right here dying, just consider that we live in a construct called time that is held and supported and made possible by timelessness, the infinite. So in timelessness, the infinite can travel to any point in time because it created it and it owns it and can see you and say, hi. Again, so and it can create as many versions of you as it wants. So it can you can have as many destinies. You can explore yourself infinitely if you choose to through this one self. And then when you want to come home, you hop timelines like I did, and you come to the one where we all go home and and remember who we are because you get tired of that game after a while. It's like yes, and that's that's where we are in this period of time is 
you know, if there's a seed to plant, then why don't we plant all the seeds of, I want to remember who I am. I want to remember this cosmic intelligence that's threaded through the beads of all of our humanity that is the exact same thing, this flow of energy that's, and that's why I like my mala beads so much is because that's what that string represents in prayer beads. It's the cosmic intelligence that runs through all. And it those beads, even in Amala beads or prayer beads, can will be dissolved and will go into that string of energy which connects us all. And it is the we. The I disappears. It is the we. And that's why right now uh, they talk about uh, the Native Americans, the indigenous tribes, and so on and so forth. They will talk about how community is really important right now. And I'm sure you've heard, and many of our listeners have heard that story of, you know, the bowl where the people who are feeding each other get fed, and we all get fed that way when we feed each other. There's a great big long spoons that pick up the food, and then we feed each other the truth of who we are, and we all will make it through this period of time. It is enormous, beautiful time upon the planet. So just as much as we co-created the Raging River, which... I have to volunteer that I'm part of that raging river. We all are. I mean, we've we've been here multiple lifetimes through incarnation, so we all participated. Nobody's exempt. Yes, everything. You know, I tell people I've been red, black, white, female, male, so on and so forth. And so now is the time we're we're collectively building that that arched bridge together. We are collectively, those people who are listening and will be listening, you and I and all the teachers and helpers, we're collectively building this beautiful arch bridge that we can all be on together. On this bridge, eventually there will not be any energy being pouring into the raging river anymore. Right. It'll just dry up. That's right. And then we can take light of consciousness and fill up the river with beautiful things and experience that together. That's right. And then that makes me happy because that's my pretty picture. I always wanted, you know, to my heart. I always want the pretty picture of heaven on earth. Yes. We are, as Jennifer, Jennifer Huff says, my friend Jennifer, she says, we're the heaven on earth construction crew. Yeah, I love it. I love that. You have such great lines. I love that. (laughs) That's who we are. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I have my I have a son. I have five kids, and my son said to me, "Oh, mom, you think we can just hold hands and sing kumbaya and everything's going to be okay?" I said, "In some ways, we haven't tried it. Let's yeah, let's see. Yeah, let's try it out. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah, I love this conversation. How it wove through so many things. It's like there's so many threads to explore in this conversation, and I'm sure that many some of the things we said might leave the listener going. Hmm. I need to listen to that again. Let me think about that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, let me just say that it's the same old question. Do you need to be right or do you want to be happy? We need to answer that question for ourselves and decide. Because if you decide you want to be happy, you're going to make different choices when that river splashes up in your face. If you decide you want to be right, then you're going to make He'll probably go down in that river and correct some people. <laughs> I'm guilty as charged. You know, I have. Carry some of those people, be kind to some of those people until you say, okay, this is their contract. And, and I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. 
Yeah. And holding that line. I love that. So many gems on, oh, wow. What a beautiful conversation. I'm so glad that you said yes to coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and conversation channeling, you know, with us, uh, your higher guidance and your human guidance. Really, really beautiful. So is there anything that you'd like to share, Hope, about your community or how people can, I mean, I don't even know, can people engage with you if they're not living where you are? Like, how does that work? Um, we have Zoom uh, for six months out of the year. We have Zoom Spiritual Services, which is the second Sunday of every month for people who want to have more of a community of spirituality and there's singing and there's a sermon and things like that. We have also, um, like we have a Bliss Sisters group, which is free of charge. And we meet once a month on uh, the first Saturday of every month where we do book studies. Remember when I was interviewing you and I said, hmm, this might make a good book study book. And we, I have this wonderful, wonderful man cave group, which is men from all of the nation. And I feel like I am the only woman in a, is it fraternity for men? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's just wonderful to engage them in conversations. There's another group that we have called Universal Teachers, and we just kind of chit chat for an hour once a month of where we need to break our own, shatter our own paradigms so we can move into transcendence so yes they can contact the hope interface center and join us with anything how you contact us is through the hope interface center www.hopeinterfacecenter.com or you can certainly call i call it my sweet melissa at 507-386-1242 Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I will put the links to all of that in the show notes, everybody. So if you didn't quite catch it, don't worry, go down below into the show notes, you'll find it there. And please like, subscribe, share, comment, let us know what you thought. If you're on my email list, then you know, send me a, a reply back and say, oh my gosh, that episode, this is what came up for me. Because I, I really do want to hear from you. I love hearing what you have to say. And also, um, if you want to be on my email list, go to my website. Hey, you know what? You can go to my new book landing page because my new book is coming out, Inner Medicine. <laughs> yeah. And so you can go to carriehummingbird.com forward slash inner medicine and sign up there and you'll be added to my email list and then you'll get emails from me. And I swear, I only send like a couple a week. I'm getting better about figuring out how many to send and what to say and when to say it and all that kind of stuff. My ego does get a hold of the list sometimes, just warning you. And then I, you know, and I have to like go back and say, ah, oh, sorry, that was a mistake. Anyway, but I do my best. And, um, if you want to come with us, please do. We love it. And um, I'll put the link to, to Hope Interface Center below. And we're going to give kisses. Here come the kisses, everybody. That's like you've been waiting for. Like, just stop talking and just kiss me. Here they come. Would you like to Hope kiss everybody? <laughs> I, would, I would love that. Let's kiss everybody. Here we come, here, guys. We love okay. you so much. <laughs> kisses. Kisses. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that planted seeds of heaven on earth inside your heart and i'll see you next week on soul nectar show everybody <laughs> bye for now bye-bye thanks gary if you found even one gold nugget in this episode of soul nectar show will you do us a favor will you subscribe like and share this episode maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together.
Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are Yeah, yeah